What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. I'm Justin Dunk, joined by J.C. Abbott. We've got a complete rundown of what's shaken down in CFL free agency. We're going to go from the West Coast to the East Coast. I guess they say West is best, J.C. So we'll start with the B.C. Lions additions. Quarterback Dominic Davis, receiver Justin McKinnis, O-lineman Michael Couture, and fellow offensive lineman Chris Schluger. Departures, James Butler, the running back, fullback Mario Villamazar, offensive lineman Joel Figueroa, offensive lineman Peter Godber, and linebacker Kevin Francis. What's your initial take on the ins and the outs from the Leos? Well, the biggest addition to me is Michael Couture at center, who I think is a big upgrade over Peter Godber. And, and the Lions did need to make some changes along the offensive line. It, it didn't get a lot of press last year, Dunk, because of how good they were when Nathan Rourke was under center. But when Vernon Adams Jr. took over, because of the way he plays the game, they went from the second best team in the league from in sacks in terms of sacks allowed to the second worst in the league in terms of the time when VA was under center. So there had to be some changes there. Unfortunately, they lost their best player in Joel Figueroa uh, to free agency. They bring in Chris Sluger. They've got some young guys to compete with him in training camp. But Godberg, to me, always felt like a little bit of a weak link. I was extremely high on him coming out of the CFL draft back in the day. I thought he was the best lineman in his draft class. Unfortunately, he just didn't pan out, struggled with injuries early in his CFL career. And I think was just a, never fully recovered in terms of his strength and ability to anchor. Michael Couture is a local guy who's going to come in, be involved in the community and take over that center spot. A big addition for this team. Other than that, it's it's mostly depth pieces, right? Dominic Davis provides some support for VA at quarterback. Justin McKinnis is an interesting one. I don't think they have to start two Canadian receivers, but he provides better insurance behind Javon Katoy than Jacob Scarfone or Daniel Pegerman did last year and gives them the option to potentially start two if they need to for ratio reasons, filling in for for perhaps uh, the field side wideout spot for, for where I have Alexander Hollins penciled in right now. So some some nice additions for the Lions. I don't know if they necessarily got better, but I think they stayed the course on day one of free agency. That's the key one for me is Justin McKinnis because with Nathan Rourke leaving, you need a Canadian starter. Now, they were able to do it when Rourke got hurt and they put Vernon Adams Jr. in there and figured out the ratio after that. But it gives them lots of depth as Canadian receiver. I'm going to look at the departures because I think James Butler could be an impactful one. Yes, the Lions did sign Antonio Williams, who is a former NFL running back. They're going to bring him in and he could be a guy that 
is in competition at least to be that starting running back and take over for James Butler. But Butler is a dynamic presence in the backfield. And yes, all the sexy headlines and talk about him is going to be about running and catching the football out of the backfield. But I talked to someone who was in Saskatchewan when he was in training camp with them in 2019, and he said by far Butler was the best pass blocker of all of those running backs in training camp with the Rough Riders that year, yet he ended up getting cut, got a shot in the NFL, and then came back up to the CFL. And it's interesting because at the time, Jeremy O'Day felt like James Butler wasn't explosive enough to be a playmaker in the CFL. While Butler has shown plenty of explosion, JC, you've seen a bunch of it in person. And I don't necessarily know if you can get that out of a rookie running back in the way, especially that Butler understands the nuances of the Canadian game. Now, JC, I know you're not a fan of paying running backs and Hamilton paid a pretty penny to get Butler over there to Tigertown, but I think it could be well worth it in this case. And that might take a hit if you're the BC Lions to their backfield overall and the way that they could potentially run the football. I think he's replaceable in terms of a starting position, but you're not going to get a guy of Butler's caliber that just comes up here right away out of the negotiation list, an American or even a Canadian through the CFL draft that can perform to that level. I'm, you're right on that, Justin. You're, you're not going to replace Butler wholesale right off the bat, but the thing with the running back position is, is even an elite running back, there's there's not a ton of separation between an average running back and an elite running back in terms of value added. You can get by with adequate play at that position. And let's not forget, this is a team in, in the BC Lions that not too long ago had James Butler go down in a game and had David Mackey, their fullback tight end player, in the backfield as the only running back on the roster that day. <laughs> and he rushed for 90 yards and a touchdown and hurdled a guy. So you can get production as long as you have the right system around the guy. And they've brought in some very interesting names. You mentioned Antonio Williams, who was signed yesterday from the NFL, a guy who played a grand total of one NFL game with the Buffalo Bills but rushed for 63 yards and a score in that game, so clearly has some talent there. But they also have Tavian Feaster, who had some time with the Montreal Alouettes last year, had a nice career at Clemson. And Greg Howell is a name that really intrigued me that they signed earlier in this offseason, a guy who didn't get a lot of carries in the NFL, but played a whole lot on special teams, was extremely dynamic in that phase, an area where the BC Lions need to get better. If you have a guy on your roster who can do a little bit of both, tote the rock and run down on special teams, that would intrigue me a whole lot. So it's unfortunate to lose Butler. I loved what he did last year. I, I really don't want to diminish that because he was so fantastic. Unfortunately, it's just the nature of the position that it's not as valuable as some others. And I think the BC Lions made the right call and maybe not opening up the piggy bank for James Butler. We'll move on now to the Calgary Stampeders. And this is an extremely short list of additions, Dunk. Just defensive lineman Julian Hauser coming over from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. In terms of departures, receiver Sean Baines, defensive lineman Stephen Banks, defensive lineman Falaran Oramalade, linebacker Jameer Thurman, defensive back Javion Elliott, and linebacker Fraser Sopic. What are your thoughts on the Stampeders moves? It's kind of what they do, but usually there's a few more pieces brought in in free agency, although they're not traditionally active on day one and they wait for some of the value guys. So perhaps we're going to see that in the future. You know, I think there are some players still left out there that could make some sense for the stamps, especially as their values nosedive really now with the way everything's set up with the negotiating window. If you haven't signed a contract or have one that you've agreed to terms on on day one of free agency, then it's not day one of free agency anymore. It's like you've gone through this entire week of negotiating and don't have anything. That probably doesn't bode well for the future. I still think there will be some guys that sign, and those are likely the guys that Calgary is waiting on. But this is a big turnover, especially on defense, to lose a guy like Jameer Thurman 
Typically, they have been all right with paying up for some of these linebackers, but they decided to do it with Cameron Judge, who carries that Canadian passport. He's going to make around $160,000. That's pretty decent money, especially when you consider it's coming from the Stampeders, and it might be under market value for Judge if he went to the open market, but it's clear they decided to spend their money on Judge in the linebacking core and James Vodders, who's going to make in the neighborhood of hundred and Seventy to one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, and could get up to as high as one hundred and eighty if he hits some of his performance incentives on the defensive line. So it's kind of par for the course for the Stampeders, but you can make an argument that Dave Dickinson is even more stingy with the Stampeders' wallet than John Huffnagel was. And there's some people around the league going, "Where are the Stampeders actually spending their salary cap dollars, and are they going to spend to the cap?" Now, JC, you did a great exercise last year and you're going to do it again this year where you tried to take a look at based on the contracts that we have access to where each team was in relation to the salary cap entering the season but without knowing all the details it seems that the Stampeders are way under it considering that considering that they're not paying a Bo Levi Mitchell $700,000 which he made at one time with the team so it seems like there's a lot of money on the table there in Calgary and again they're going to rely on their scouting staff and development of these players to come through and take over for the names that have departed. Yeah, it, it seems like the amount they've brought in, even if you include the raise to judge, which actually I think is above the $170,000 mark, not the $160,000 mark, big time contract for Cameron judge and the addition of Vodders, which I think is more impactful than anything they did on day one of free agency, it still looks like there's money left on the table. And you got to look around and, and wonder where some of these voids are going to be filled. And Calgary has done a good job in the past of having that next man up mentality and having somebody ready to step in and take over. You look at the middle linebacker spot where they lose Jameer Thurman, who was exceptional last year. Well, they have Silas Stewart, who stepped in for a few games when Thurman was out, played, I thought, reason, reasonably well, and has you know cut his teeth on special teams like you want young American players to do, had 20 special teams tackles a year ago. Is he ready to take that next step and become a full-time starter? The way this roster is constructed, it seems like they have him penciled in there. And then they'll need another one in the receiving core as well because you've got, you know, Malik Henry and Reggie Bagleton back, two Canadians likely starting there. But there's another American spot where you've got to replace someone like Kamar Jordan, who's likely leaving. Is it Trey Ogham's Dukes who takes that next step and, and becomes the guy in the receiving core? Or is it a spot where you're starting three Canadians there as the Stampeders have shown themselves comfortable with doing in the past? So there's a lot of questions in Cowtown Dunk. It's one of those rosters where every year I, I seem to question how they'll do it again, how they'll fill those spots. And they keep doing it. They keep proving me wrong every time I project the decline. Is this the year, though? It's a, it's a lot of transition, especially on that defense. I'm surprised you didn't mention Tommy Lee Lewis because the Stamps waited a long time to get him up here, right? They did. A long time. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, something like like eight years or something ridiculous like that. Unbelievable <laughs> so be for a receiver guys. on the, on the next list, right? Normally you reserve that for, for quarterbacks that you're waiting on that long receivers. You want on and off real quick. He was a ridiculous long wait for them. So he's one of those guys that could step up and the Stampeders rely on their talent recruitment, their scouting abilities and the ability to get these guys up here and develop them quickly in the Canadian game. It's just if you're a defensive coordinator, Brett Monts, and you're sitting there going, man, like I know you signed James Waters and we have Cam Judge and Siler Stewart look pretty good, but this exodus on defense, like Flo or Malade has the makings of an upward trajectory to be the best defensive end in the league, bar none. There are people that felt like that was the case in terms of him being a pending free agent, that he was far and away the best defensive end available. But the way that the Toronto Argos paid him, and we'll talk about him more in the Argos section, really shows that. So the Stamps are going to have to do it from within. Again, it's what they've done at the quarterback position and many other positions over the years. Let's go down the road. I believe it's 
up Highway 2 to Edmonton. The addition, is that right, JC? Highway 2? I, I have no idea. When I lived there, I was a baby who could not drive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think it's Highway 2, so I'll stand corrected if a listener wants to point that out. To the Edmonton Elks, additions, receiver Sammy Coates, receiver Stephen Dunbar Jr., receiver Kyron Moore, and the crown receiver jewel of them all in this class for the Elks, receiver Eugene Lewis. Meanwhile, offensive lineman Josiah St. John rejoins Chris Jones, and linebacker Kevin Francis goes to the Alberta Capitol. Departures, receiver Kenny Lawler, and receiver Levi Noel. JC, when you look at this haul from the Elks, can you see them being competitive in the West in 2023, or is it going to take longer than that? I absolutely see them being competitive next year, Dunk. I mean, you look at the players they brought in, specifically on offense yesterday, but also keep in mind they made some of their biggest moves ahead of free agency. We, we can't forget about Luchez Purifoy coming over, A.C. Leonard making their defense better. So that's two more names you can add to that list of extremely talented players that are now on the Edmonton Elks. And look, there's been a lot of discussion online about the merits of paying receivers when you don't necessarily have a quarterback. And I saw plenty of comments after the Eugene Lewis signing dropped and that big number, I believe you reported, Dunk, that it was $320,000 average annual that they'll be paying to Eugene Lewis. And there were a lot of comments saying, well, they didn't learn their lesson when they paid Kenny Lawler $305,000 last year, and then he ended up getting hurt and maybe not delivering on what everyone thought. But To that, I say, did no one watch the Edmonton Elks last year? Because when Kenny Lawler was healthy, uh, he was just about the only good player on the field for them, right? He posted all-star numbers without necessarily the greatest quarterbacking. And a lot of those touchdowns and big passes he hauled in, that's all on him. That's not ball placement. That's him bringing down the, you know, an errant pass from Taylor Cornelius or whoever it was under center at that point. And making a play. And I think that's the strategy here for the Edmonton Elks. They're going for with Taylor Cornelius at quarterback. And what it reminds me a little bit of is I was talking to a former scout for the Carolina Panthers who talked about back in the day when they had Cam Newton at his in his prime at quarterback. And they said Cam Newton was one of the greatest athletes ever to play in the NFL. Accuracy-wise as a passer, he wasn't always ideal, right? He put the ball uh, in the spot she didn't necessarily want. He had a tendency to throw it high. So as a scouting staff, what we had to do is we eliminated any receiver who wasn't 6'5". We got the biggest guys we could. We got the biggest playmakers we could. So it didn't matter that his passes were a little off because we had guys who could make those catches, who had big catch radiuses, who could make those plays. And then all he had to do was gun it down the field as hard as he could. And I think that's sort of the strategy here with Edmonton. They've got Eugene Lewis now, who we know when it's a 50-50 ball to him, it's not 50-50. It's 80-20. Dylan Mitchell, I thought, was fantastic last season. He could take the next step. Steven Dunbar has made some fantastic catches. He's going to have to probably move into the slot for them, but has been dynamic. Manny Arsenault's still there. Kyron Moore, we've seen flashes from him. He can be a, a weapon that you move around the the offense, do some trick stuff with. And then, of course, they'll likely start a Canadian in that receiving core as well. Probably either Danny Vandervoort, Gavin Cobb, or, or Vincent Forbes Montblanc. But really, it's those additions they brought in yesterday that are going to set the tone offensively. And I think they've got the right idea given what they have at quarterback right now. And they got the money to do it because of the way that they paid Taylor Cornelius, in part at least. They gave him 106 thousand five hundred thousand sorry hundred six thousand five hundred dollar signing bonus when he signed that extension that goes on last year's cap so that opened up some money dylan mitchell got a sixty thousand dollar signing bonus so that opened up more money and yes part of it was because the team wasn't that good last year but i think that was because of the previous regime under rock sunderland and jamie elizondo especially sunderland because of the dearth of talent there in edmonton so They were able to put that money on last year's cap and use 
the openness of the 2023 cap to be able to pay Eugene Lewis $320,000 and take him away from Montreal, where he was living all year round. And Lewis said it in his farewell post to Montreal that he's taking a leap of faith. But it's definitely a calculated one from a financial perspective. And JC, you alluded to this too. I think if you're Lewis, you can see the talent on this roster and what Chris Jones is starting to build there a little better now, you mentioned the additions of Luches Purifoy in the back end, which I think will be very valuable. A.C. Leonard up front, Jake Serezna there as well, that this team is starting to take shape. And we know once Chris Jones has a chance to get the kind of athletes in there that he likes, big, long, explosive athletic dudes is what he's like. And Eugene Lewis and Stephen Dunmar certainly fit that mold on offense, especially. And we mentioned the guys on defense. Then... He's going to have a competitive roster in the West. He's shown it multiple times. He's won a great cup there in Edmonton. He was building something special in Saskatchewan. A lot of people would argue that the two teams that the Rough Riders had in 2019 and 2021 that went to the West Final were largely on the backs of what Jones and his scouting staff did there. And I think a lot of that is somewhat true. So Jones has shown that once he gets a little bit of time, he can put a competitive roster together. Absolutely has shown that. And and you mentioned those big, long athletes. And before we move on, I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention what I think was one of the most impactful depth signings in terms of what went on yesterday. And that's Kevin Francis coming over from BC to the Elks, which was a team that wasn't very good on special teams last year. Kevin Francis led the league with 22 special teams tackles. And lo and behold, he reunites with Chris Jones, who is the guy who brought him into the league as a supplemental CFL draft pick. He's 6'6", 236 pounds now. I think he was playing safety back when he was drafted initially. And Chris Jones has moved him all over on his defenses, has turned him into a real special teams demon. He's going to bring some depth to this roster that was lacking last year where they were just sort of grabbing street free agents and trying to fit, have anyone fill the void. Kevin Francis is going to bring some stability. You don't want him starting on defense, that's for sure, but he's going to be a core piece of this special teams mo- mo- unit moving forward. On to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and some big additions here, Dunk. Quarterback Trevor Harris, receiver Sean Bain, receiver Juwan Breskison, receiver Jake Winnicky, and then on the offensive line, Philip Blake and Peter Godber, and defensive linemen Stephen Banks and Micah Johnson. But of course, plenty of departures from the Riders after a disappointing season as well. You can say goodbye to Cody Fajardo, fullback James Tuck, receiver Sammy Coates, Shaq Evans, Justin McKinnis, Kyron Moore, and Duke Williams, all the receivers. Offensive lineman Josiah St. John's, linebacker Gary Johnson Jr., and then left tackle Taryn Vaughn as well, all departed from Regina. What do you make of the Saskatchewan Rougher Riders' first day of free agency? Overall, it seems like Saskatchewan is better, at least on paper, and that's going to start with Trevor Harris, going to be the one that everybody focused on. But I think two of the most impactful signings potentially be Philip Lake. I think that's a guy that can play up and down the offensive line and could have a chance to play tackle for them if they decide to go Canadian at that position. I mean, at least gives them the flexibility to do so if some of these American guys that they're signing off the neg list, like a Gerald Hawkins, don't come along as quickly as the Rough Riders hope. And the other one that could go either way is Peter Godberg. You mentioned it, JC, when we were talking about him being a departure from the BC Lions. He was a guy that was highly touted coming out of the NCAA, Rice University, when he came to the CFL and hasn't quite lived up to expectations, especially lately. But he was a guy that the Riders clearly targeted, and they favored him over Justin Lawrence, who was an East Division All-Star who went from the Argos to the Alouettes. They favored him over Darius Sirocco, who went from Ottawa to Toronto, even though he did lose his job to Surreal Hogan-Sando there with the Red Blacks. There were some people that still like Sirocco. He's a former first-round pick himself. So I think Godber is going to re- be a real key here for how good this group of 
free agents will be in Saskatchewan, and that includes Harris. I think Trevor Harris and his quick release can certainly help out the offensive line. He's got some playmakers there, especially one that he's comfortable with in Jake Wineke. Keen Schaefer-Baker, I think, is ready to take the next step and be a legitimate number one target in the CFL, even though he should be down in the NFL. That's a whole completely different story in and of itself. But the Riders and Harris are fortunate that Shake and Bake is back in green and white, and I think that's something that's forgotten here. The Riders did have some interest in Geno Lewis, but they weren't willing to spend that kind of money, over $300,000, to get Lewis to come to Saskatchewan. And they went through that with the same amount of money, but with Duke Williams paying him in and around $250,000 to sign with the Rough Riders last year in 2022, and that money didn't work out. And I think history would show that when you spend that type of money on a receiver, it doesn't guarantee you their production, especially when it's a new player coming in. So I think it's smart to make Keen Schaefer-Baker the focus on this offense. Oh, by the way, he's a Canadian, so that helps you ratio-wise. And then get into being a more physical team up front that I think will rely on the run game more with Jamal Morrow there, who's arguably their best player on offense with Keen Schaefer-Baker and Frankie Hicks. And that's something that Ryderville wanted to see more when Jason Moss was there. And I think that will be a staple for Kelly Jeffrey and the new offensive scheme that he brings to town. Godbert, much better as a run blocker than as a pass blocker, in my opinion. I, I don't necessarily know if he's an upgrade over Dan Clark at that center position, but certainly a lot younger than Dan Clark at this stage of the game. So you do have to make some moves in, in that regard if you want to improve the group as a whole. And then I really like the addition of Philip Blake, which you touched on as well, which who played really good minutes at left tackle last year for the Toronto Argonauts. He's old. He's extremely old, but he doesn't have a lot of tra- or, or wear on the tires because he spent some time not playing down in the NFL. So he can still come in and contribute either at guard or at tackle for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The two big things that really jump out to me, Justin, is they got their guy at defensive tackle. And we talked about it on the pod, I think it's uh, two weeks ago now, when we were discussing uh, Mike Egham talking about Garrett Marino's loss being impactful for the team last year. And I went and looked at the stats, and their top two defensive ends at that stage, it was Pete Robertson, who's still with the team, and A.C. Langard, who has departed. Neither of them recorded a sack in a game where Garrett Marino wasn't playing. Now, that's a pretty telling statistic. It means they needed a bigger presence in the middle. And when you've got Anthony Lanier paired up with Micah Johnson, that's going to create a lot of disruption inside. It's going to free up the Riders' edge rushers to have the sort of success they did early last season when Robertson was putting up some absolutely crazy numbers. But on the flip side, I look at the receiving core, and to me, this is a group that needs one more piece in free agency. And and I'm sure there's going to be some value here in the coming days, Dunk. But right now, you've got Jake Winnicky in there. Braden Lenius and Chafer Baker are going to be starting for you. But there's two American spots in my mind where you're not really sure who's going to be that guy. Is it Sean Baines, who you just brought in, who was sort of an under-the-radar signing? Do you want to plug him into one of those roles? That's a possibility. Jester Way got some playing time late last year. Tevin Jones had some, some minutes in the receiving core, has a big body, but he's 30 years old, a former NFL guy. Is it one of these youngsters you're bringing in? In my mind, you need to have another veteran addition to the receiving core in free agency. And... There's a couple of names out there, you know, the Darrell Walkers, that sort of player, which would be interesting in my mind for the Riders to target going forward. If it's going to happen, you know we'll have it for you on 3downnation.com. Let's go to the Rough Riders rival, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who have become the gold standard in the CFL, going to three straight great cups and winning two. They won those two CFL titles while Kenny Lawler was with the team, and that is their major addition in CFL free agency. Departures include receiver Greg Ellingson, offensive lineman Michael Couture, and defensive lineman Casey Sales. Are the Bombers primed and ready to win a great cup their third in four years with Kenny Lawler back in the fold, J.C.? 
I think Lawler really helps this team and gives them an element to the offense that they were missing a little bit last year, which is having that outside guy who can take the top off, who you can throw a 50-50 ball to, and he'll bring it down. I think really the, the biggest thing that happened to this team yesterday is the fact that the NFL window closed when free agency opened, and Dalton Schoen is back with the team, a guy who, as a rookie, led the league in both receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, had an absolutely insane season. NFL teams felt like he maybe didn't fit the prototype that they were looking for, that he really exploded onto the CFL scene because he used the waggle so well and, and was so good in that extra space, and they they used it as a knock against him. I think there's some truth to that. I think it may be a little bit overblown as well, but the reality is Dalton Schoen is now going to be next to Kenny Lawler. And so that's going to prevent defenses from truly adjusting to what Schoen is capable of and erasing him entirely because they have to worry about you hitting the deep shot to Lawler down the sideline as well. If they hadn't brought in Lawler, if they had stayed pat and, and maybe stuck with Rashid Bailey or gone with another receiver, I think there's a possibility that you would have seen Schoen take a serious step back in year two as teams started to figure him out. But adding that sort of dynamic weapon beside him is going to make sure that he's still productive next year and this receiving core can continue. Yes, losing Greg Ellingson hurts, but he, again, is more of a similar guy to Sean, more of a possession guy than a deeper slot threat like Sean was last year. But he wasn't necessarily taking the top off or demanding double coverage or things like that. Now you've got a guy who does that, and so that's going to open up this offense for Zach Claros to continue to take those deep shots. Lawler makes the Blue Bombers offense scary, and yes, it was still a very productive offense without him there last season, but this makes this offense scary on paper and for defensive coordinators to defend. It takes it to another level. And I think it was an element that was missing from the Blue Bombers. Yes, they got some big plays from Dalton Schoen, but not manufactured in the way that Lawler is able to do. He's got that rapport with Zach Laris, which is very important. He can take the top off a of defense. He can go up and steal a ball in between one, two, three. I don't care how many defenders it is. He has the ability to go up and do it. We saw him do that, especially that catch in the back of the end zone in Edmonton last year that was a highlight rule real catch of the year type candidate Lawler adds that element we know all the other pieces they have on that team that have been mainstays Willie Jefferson Adam Big Hill Jackson Jeffcoat on defense theatric Nichols as well there in the secondary but getting Lawler is an absolute game changer for this team and makes them the big time favorites to win the Grey Cup again yeah, I, I think the one key thing they've got to address here going forward is the defensive line in terms of depth. They lose Casey Sales, who I think was the biggest loss for them on day one of free agency. They have Ricky Walker there as a defensive tackle who has played well when called upon and can step up. But they've got almost actually no American depth in behind them right now. In the past, the scouting staff has been asked to sort of find a starter, find an impact player in the defensive backfield in the secondary, they've got depth across the board there right now. They've done a fantastic job over the last couple of years finding those talents. This year, in my mind, the focus has to be on finding some defensive linemen, some young up-and-comers, because you still have Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson who are dynamic off that edge. But as we saw last year, Jeffcoat battled injury quite a bit, both players are getting up there in age. You need some quality depth behind them. You might see some some ads in the in the later stages of free agency, guys on minimum contracts that maybe the Bombers think they can get more value out of. And there's going to need to be some impactful rookies brogging as well because right now, that's the major weakness I'm seeing with this team. If one of their high-quality defensive linemen goes down, we don't know who's going to be the guy who has to step up. Moving on to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who have lit the world on fire, Dunk, with their free agency additions. Let's go down the list. Running back, James Butler. Receiver, Duke Williams. Offensive lineman, 
Joel Figueroa, then defensive lineman Kwaku Botang, Jagarit Davis, and Casey Sales, linebacker Jameer Thurman, Sam linebacker Chris Edwards, defensive back Javian Elliott, linebacker Fraser Sopic, and receiver Levi Noel. Departing from the team were receiver Stephen Dunbar, defensive lineman Julian Hauser and Micah Johnson, linebacker Javon Santos-Knox, and defensive backs Cariel Brooks and Jamal Roll. What did you think about the moving and shaking from the Hamilton Tiger Cats? <laughs> There's a lot of starry names there that the Tiger Cats are bringing in to go along with Bo Levi Mitchell, who is the unquestioned face of the franchise now in Hamilton. I love the addition of Butler in the backfield. I know they had to pay him well to get him there, but I think it's well worth it, especially in a year where the Tiger Cats are really gunning to win that Grey Cup, not just get there on home soil this time around. Duke Williams, to me, is the most intriguing addition because we've seen his antics, especially in Saskatchewan, perhaps that wasn't necessarily controlled very well by head coach Craig Dickinson and the rest of his staff there. And to be honest, it just didn't seem like a fit for that reason. Orlando Steinauer values culture. Tommy Condell and Mark Washington do as well. So there must have been some long talks there with Duke Williams about his antics and throwing helmets and accusations of him spitting on other players and being a guy that was drawing attention while he was hurt on the sideline in Saskatchewan. I'm sure there would have been some long talks with Duke Williams for him to understand how he needs to come in there and fit into this culture that is really about the team overall. And Orlando Steinauer wants these guys to be themselves as well. But if you let Duke Williams be himself, then he's shown that he's going to have discipline issues. Really, mainly those flared up last year in Saskatchewan. Now, some of that could have been the pressure from being paid in around $250,000 and coming back from the NFL and all those types of things. But he needs to curtail that stuff. If he does, it could be a great pickup. Picture Bo Levi Mitchell, who we know can still sling the rock, Chucking it downfield to Duke Williams. They re-signed Tim White. He's not on our additions list, but that was a major re-signing to get done. I think he's a young, budding superstar in this league. And you pair him with Duke Williams, who can go up and get the ball in traffic. I think that's a great one-two punch at receiver. But maybe the most impactful signing for the Tiger Cats is Joel Figueroa. They have had a bunch of names go through that left tackle spot. It has been a sore spot for them for a number of years, and they paid up to do it in around $190,000 to make Figueroa the highest paid American offensive lineman in the CFL. But I think it's well worth it, especially when you have a guy there in Bolivar Mitchell, who we know can move around. I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for, but largely he's going to be in the pocket. So you need to protect your investment there in Mitchell. You're paying that guy $520,000. So to pay Figueroa $190,000, as long as you can fit it all under the salary cap, and I do believe the Ticats have figured out a way to do it, then it's well worth it. I love the addition of Jameer Thurman on defense. For as good as Jovan Santos Knox is and can continue to be with the Ottawa Red Blacks. I think Thurman is a little bit of a step above, and he's a guy that's very versatile on defense as well. So I like all of the moves that the Tiger Cats have made. Granted, it comes with a caveat if they can all come together quickly in Hamilton. Yeah, that'll be the big question going into next season is how quickly a group that is this new can gel together and I like all the moves as well to me this looks like a group has decided okay we're taking the swing now we've got a home gray cup we are going to either win it or we're all going down in flames it's all in this season <laughs> and to me they've, they've brought in all the pieces necessary to make that type of run you talk about Joel Figueroa, they're going to run exactly the right offensive system for him because he's fantastic with a quarterback who stays in the pocket and gets the ball out of his hands quickly. If you're going to put Cody Fajardo behind him and, and let him run around, I think he's going to struggle a little bit because he's not the most mobile guy, but he's going to be fantastic at protecting someone like Bo Levi Mitchell who knows the value of getting the ball out of his hands fast. Look across the defensive line, they're much improved, right? Now, Kwaku Botang can come back off his Achilles injury, 
pair with Mason Bennett on one edge. Edge, that's a legitimate Canadian spot now where you don't have to worry about bringing in or rotating Americans and subbing a, a, a Canadian for somebody inside. Those two can hold down that side in a rotation with Anthony, Anthony Federico behind them as well for some depth. I really like that move. Casey Sales comes in. To Garrett Davis, we all know he has never missed a Grey Cup in his career. So you bring him in as a little bit of a Grey Cup or a good luck charm for the Grey Cup. And then you've talked about it with Duke Williams, the character thing. You want to know how invested the Hamilton Tiger Cats are in winning right now. While at Sam Linebacker, they brought in a guy who just two years ago (laughs) climbed into the stands to punch their fans. Chris Edwards, right? Obviously, those fans were not behaving properly, but had a suspension for doing that. Obviously, had some beef with the Ticats fan base. That's all going to have to be put aside now as he comes in. But when you see a guy like Bo Levi Mitchell sign with the team, you look at all the free agents that take notice. Right, All these people want to play for that team. And right now, they see the Hamilton Tiger Cats as having a really strong shot to win a great cap out of the East Division. To do it, they're going to have to beat the two-time defending East Division champion and the defending Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. Their additions, fullback Mario Vilmazar, offensive lineman Darius Sirocco, defensive lineman Thomas Costigan, defensive end Flo or Malade, Strong side linebacker Darius Pickett, departures from the six, receiver Juwan Briskason, offensive lineman Philip Lake and Justin Lawrence, defensive lineman Jagger Davis, and as JC just touched on, strong side linebacker Chris Edwards. What do you make of what the Argos have done in free agency, JC? I think they've done an absolutely fantastic job. You know, last year the Argos spent big on a lot of veteran names in free agency right and we said it's really this year or bust because these guys are going to drop off at some point well they got their ring with those guys and they've made the right decision to move on from a lot of veterans of course Andrew Harris is back but it looks like they're gearing up to replace a lot of other players that in the past you would have thought they would have hung on to just a little too long and they've brought in some extremely good young up-and-comers you know we just talked about Chris Edwards in the last segment he's an exceptional strong side linebacker but Darius Pickett is even better and he's 26 years old right Jagari Davis was all right last season show is Shane Ray but you bring in Falaran Aramalade who I think can be the best defensive end in the CFL if he continues to develop like he has just how dynamic he is as a player. He can drop into coverage as well, which people don't give him a lot of credit for, but extremely versatile. And then, you know, just, just solid moves. Even the trade they made uh, earlier this month when they traded for Jordan Williams from the BC Lions, bringing over a younger guy at middle linebacker as Enoch Mwamba hits free agency. These are smart, smart moves in my mind for the Toronto Argonauts gearing up to not just be a one-time winner, but a contender for years to come. It's almost as if, JC, the Argonauts are spending money or going in a direction where it seems like McLeod Bethel-Thompson is going to be with the Argos in 2023. Now, it's not a guarantee one way or another, but they play pay excuse me, Flo or Malade $240,000 and then $250,000 the year after that to make him by far the highest paid defensive end in the CFL. If you're wondering, Lorenzo Malden, who's a reigning most outstanding defensive player, and Willie Jefferson are going to make $200,000 on the books at least in 2023. So they really believe in flow or a Malade. And I do feel like at some point there's going to be an addition here at the quarterback position. They would like to get a veteran guy in there if it indeed is going to be Chad Swag Kelly at a quarterback or Swag Kelly as he's becoming known around the league. If McLeod Bethel-Thompson doesn't come up here, I think that could be in the form of Dane Evans. The Tiger Cats just don't have room to keep him there with his $400-plus contract on the books at the moment. 
or perhaps it's somebody else like an Antonio Pipkin who has been in Toronto there. But I think they could add at the quarterback position. But overall, I really like what the Argos have done. They kept some strong leaders, especially in Devaris Daniels on that receiving core. Overpaid him a little bit, you could argue, based on a production standpoint. But I think it's well warranted. And to keep Curly Gittins Jr. and pay him $200,000, I think is well worth the money considering he's Canadian and he's trending in the direction of being a number one target in this league. Yeah, the questions I have on the Argos are all on the offensive side of the ball. I, I would like to see them add another name at receiver, and potentially they still can going down the line here in the next couple days because DeVaris Daniels has been extremely solid for them. I don't know necessarily if he is that guy. You know, he can be a number three maybe a number two curly Gittens jr is blossoming into that role, but they've got cam Phillips and potentially Demonte Coxie right now penciled in as the starters. I'd like to see another name Agate there. And then the big, the, the most surprising signing for me of the entire day, Justin uh, was Darius Sirocco coming over from the Ottawa red blacks, a guy who can start at center. Wasn't really a need in my mind for the Toronto Argonauts. I know, Peter Nicastro was hurt all of last season. He's coming off injury, but he was trending towards a return at the end of last year, potentially could have even been ready to go for the gray cup, but they decided not to mess with the chemistry, which I think was wise. But right now they've got an extreme log jam at the offensive line position. A lot of former first round picks in there. There's going to be in my mind, some movement there going forward to sort that out. I'm not sure why you would bring Sirocco into the mix. It never hurts to have Canadian depth. That's all. Ne- never hurts, but boy, offensive linemen are pricey. <laughs> <laughs> the Ottawa Red Blacks are up next, and they made some good moves, Dunk. Receiver Shaq Evans, offensive lineman Teron Vaughn, defensive lineman Michael Wakefield, Linebackers Gary Johnson Jr. and Jovan Santos Knox, and then defensive back Cariel Brooks, all coming over in free agency and leaving the team. It's quarterback Caleb Evans, offensive lineman Darius Sirocco, who we just mentioned, defensive lineman Kwaku Botang, and long snapper Louis Philippe Bourassa. What did you think about the Ottawa Red Blacks' moves yesterday? Sean Burke, the general manager there, continues to build a very competitive roster in a bit of a quiet way. I really like the addition of Shaq Evans because I feel like it's high upside and really low risk. He's a guy that can take the top off a of defense when he's healthy and make a bunch of plays. And I think that's just the key with him is getting healthy because if he be- builds a rapport with Jeremiah Masoli there, I think that tandem could be really exciting to watch along with Jalen Acklin. They're high on Justin Hardy and a number of other Americans there that are on the roster. So I like that addition of Shaq Evans because I think he can make an instant impact if he's still healthy. And I know he has something to prove after the Rough Riders decided to move on from the Shaq attack. I I thought they got better on multiple fronts, both on offense. Teron Vaughn, I I don't think he deserved some of the hate he got from Saskatchewan. He battled injuries a lot. If he can stay healthy, he can pencil in there at left tackle. Obviously, Ucombre Williams has sort of declared on social media that he will be retiring, although the team has not announced it. So they needed somebody to fill that void. He can be that guy. And then on defense, I think Javon Santos-Knox is a significant upgrade from Avery Williams, who has put up a lot of tackles over the last few years with the Ottawa Red Blacks, but in my mind has never truly been in the elite category of linebackers. I think Santos-Knox is the way he moves around, his intensity. He's a really good addition. Michael Wakefield can be in that defensive line rotation. And then Cariel Brooks, We're talking about a guy who was an all-star halfback in 2021. And although he missed some time with injury last year, I don't think his play took a step back at all. He's on the older side, but he can come in and potentially play at an all-star level again. That's a really solid addition to that Red Blacks defense. One player that should be on the addition list for the Red Blacks is Drew Desjardins, an outstanding Canadian offensive lineman who came back up from the NFL, spent some time with the Patriots and Saints down there, and the Ottawa Red Blacks won the sweepstakes for him, the pre-free agency sweepstakes, if you will, for arguably the best Canadian offensive lineman in the league. They paid him 
in that realm as well, over $250,000 to make him the highest paid Canadian offensive lineman ever in the CFL. I think it was well worth it. Burke is continuing to build in the trenches on the offensive line. He's got some great depth there and especially some young pieces on that offensive line. Surreal Hogan Sando is one of those just going into his second year on a rookie deal is a great guy to have in the middle there calling out all the protections and to get Desjardins was a big win for the Red Blacks. Moving on to the Montreal Alouettes, their additions. Quarterback Cody Fajardo leads the list, pairs back up with Jason Moss. They also bring in quarterback Caleb Evans to back him up. Fullback James Tuck, receiver Greg Ellingson, offensive lineman Justin Lawrence, defensive back Jamal Roll. Long snapper Luis Philip Borassa departures for the Alps. Quarterback Dominic Davis, of course, Trevor Harris essentially becomes a trade of number sevens between the Owls and the Riders as Harris goes to Saskatchewan. Receiver Eugene Lewis, receiver Jake Weineke, offensive lineman Chris Luger, defensive lineman Thomas Costigan, defensive lineman Michael Wakefield, and strong side linebacker Adarius Pickett on the way out. J.C., when you look at Montreal and what they've had to deal with with the ownership situation, how do you evaluate their free agency? You know what? I want to give Danny Machocha a hug because he's been through a lot <laughs> the last little bit, and I think he did as good a job as can be expected given the circumstances. Now, we should touch on the ownership situation. On the day of free agency, the CFL took over control of the Montreal Alouettes, a necessary move in my mind, one which I think should have probably happened a little bit sooner. They are searching for new ownership. There are parties interested. I suspect before the start of the season, even in the next month or so, we will get a new owner for the Montreal Alouettes, but it certainly prevented them from making a lot of the top-end moves that they were hoping to and retain their players. Guys like Trevor Harris and Eugene Lewis certainly had significant interest in staying in Montreal, but couldn't be given the guarantees before that negotiating window opened because Danny Machocha was struggling to get approval from the ownership group that had essentially, as you described it a week ago, Dunk, thrown the keys on the table for the franchise. So they lose out on those guys but they bring in some really solid additions on day one, right? You've got Jamal Roll, who is one of the best cornerbacks in the entire CFL. You pencil him in as a starter on this defense. Greg Ellingson is a fantastic receiver, even though he's going to be you know, 35 next year. He hasn't shown that when he's on the field, he's taken a step back at all. He may miss a few games here or there for injury, but he's a guy who's going to make an impact for that offense and is going to help out Cody Fajardo, who comes over as the team's quarterback. Now, I'm not sure I'm in love with bringing over Fajardo because I'm not sure I love the pairing of him and Jason Moss. Those two get along just fine. You know, their personal relationship seems to be strong. Uh, I don't know if m what Moss likes to run is the same offense that best suits Cody, but there could be some adjustments there. We'll see what it looks like behind a much stronger offensive line because Montreal has been very solid up front in the past. And they bring over a guy like Justin Lawrence who fills that center spot that they struggled so much with injuries at last year and who can play at an all-star level. They still have Pierre-Olivier Lestage who came over late last year and I believe is going to be one of the best guards in the CFL as well. So some really solid additions given the circumstances for Danny Machocha and the Montreal Alouettes. It was a really difficult situation and it was really just the timing of it all. Trevor Harris said that if this had happened two weeks ago, then perhaps he was still in La Belle Provence, but this is the way that it has worked out. And Danny Matrocha probably felt like, well, if Trevor Harris or Juno Lewis aren't willing to stick with us through this difficult ownership process, then we want players who are going to. And Cody Fajardo has committed to the Montreal Alouettes, albeit largely because that was really the only spot where Fajardo could go to be a somewhat guaranteed starter in this league. They paid him like it. I've heard the contract is over $400,000, so Fajardo still has that type of money coming in. And I think that solidifies him as being the number one guy going into the season, especially 
knowing that Caleb Evans is signed there and his lack of starting experience, although he does have some in the CFL. So I think it's a great number two option for the Alouettes. And I do really like the signing of Greg Ellingson. If he can keep himself healthy and on the field, I think he can be highly productive. He showed it last season. I believe only played in eight regular season games, had almost 600 yards in those games and three touchdowns. And, you know, part of that is Mike O'Shea likes for his veterans to be back to 100% health before he puts them on the field. He doesn't like to rush them back unless it's a situation where it's the Grey Cup game and Zach Claros is going to play on that lower body injury no matter what. So I really like the addition of Ellingson there in Montreal. Yeah. Well, we've gone coast to coast, but I think before we move or we end this podcast, we should probably touch on some of the other storylines or, or other aspects of free agency, namely the other leagues south of the border that are presenting an option to some of these players. Obviously, you reported just in yesterday that Hamilton Tiger Cats strong side linebacker Cameron Kelly is exploring XFL options. We saw middle linebacker Darnell Sankey, formerly of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, sign with the XFL today. And there have been reports of a few other players that are currently free agents exploring USFL or XFL options. In your mind, Justin, what is the impact of those leagues right now on the league's marketplace? There's a bit of a talent drain going on, but then some scouts will tell you, well, a lot of those guys that are going to those leagues might not necessarily fit the Canadian game super well. But really, the reason the players are going there is because they feel like that's a quicker path for them or potentially a better path for them to the NFL because it's four down football played on an American sized field, not a Canadian sized field. So Cameron Kelly really felt like he was going to get some NFL workouts after his CFL All-Star season playing Sam Linebacker, but that didn't happen to the amount that he thought it would, and he felt like he could get an NFL contract, so he wants to go play in the XFL to see if he can get to the NFL for the 2023 NFL season. Darnell Sankey is a totally different case, right? He had, as you reported, JC, a great offer on the table from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and he's going to the XFL more out of desperation I'll say than anything else because he should have accepted that offer with Saskatchewan and he's going to take a pay cut overall by going to play in the XFL if you look around at the XFL salaries those guys that aren't quarterbacks get about $50,000 yes it's U.S. but that's nothing close to the offer that Sankey had on the table that was in between one hundred and fifty and one hundred and sixty thousand from the Rough Riders so he's going to take a hit in the pocketbook but it's because he thinks now that that is his best option instead of potentially earning six figures and well above that in the CFL, which no team is going to give him really at this point, going to go to the XFL, try to go that route to potentially get an NFL contract before he thinks about coming back to Canada. Yeah. On the Sankey situation, I reported that contract offer from the Rough Riders got some blowback from the player and the agent. I would just like to say publicly, the report is accurate. I stand by it. Uh, unfortunately, it is a high pressure or highly emotional situation for the player, given the lack of interest on the open market. And, and partly due to the fact that Sankey is very much a downhill thumping linebacker, more suited to the American game, can rack up some tackles, can be a very good player in the CFL, but he's not necessarily as versatile as some of the elite linebackers like an Adam Big Hill who can drop into coverage, who can rush off the edge if you need him to, who can move around your defense. Sankey is very much a middle linebacker and just that. And so the XFL provides an interesting option for him. And to be frank, Sankey is never going to get an NFL contract at 28 years old coming out of the CFL. He might coming out of the XFL because as we've discussed before, the dynamics are such that when those spring seasons end, it's just before NFL training camps open, you can jump right from one to the other, which you can't do in the CFL. You have to wait basically a full calendar year before you can be active in the NFL, even if you sign a contract while the current NFL season is going on, which prevents a provides a hurdle to these players. If you're Sankey, Maybe a team just needs a body for their linebacking core, and you're the closest guy available. That's what a lot of these players who are going down to the USFL and XFL are hoping for. 
And we heard it earlier this week with a Canadian kicker, Liram Haralahu, who has spent some time bouncing around the NFL saying, look, I, I like the CFL. I'm not coming back up there anytime soon because if I do so, I'm closing the NFL door for over a year. And I don't want to do that. I will take the XFL or USFL route if I have to, because that means I can jump right back to an NFL roster next season. So this is the sort of thing that players are discussing behind the scenes as to why they make the motivation for that move. Some great analysis on CFL free agency and JC, some great reporting on the Darnell Sankey situation with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And for all of the latest on what's going on with anything related to Canadian football and especially as this free agency process continues, even though the rush is over, keep it locked to 3 downnation.com and we'll catch you on the podcast next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.